Hello, what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio? I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining me the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford? Yes, yeah, Rob, it's going to be a good show, this. We were just discussing before, the action-packed stuff that we've got, so I don't know if we're going to fit it all in an hour, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, it should be good. Yep, so we'll do, we'll start with the, uh, the boxing, Paul, and Josh Taylor's defence of his undisputed world super lightweight titles against the WBO Mantra Challenger Jack Catterall has been rescheduled for the February the 26th after the Scotsman suffered a serious knee injury in training. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this fight was due to, um, just before Christmas, it was lined up for this in, in Scotland, so it was going to be a massive, massive fight there, you know, boxing around the Christmas and festive period, you know, the, the bills are always really good, you know, with everybody in the festive spirit and things like that, but yeah, sadly, uh, Josh has picked up a, an injury and it's been rescheduled now for uh, for the 26th of February, you know, Jack Catterall was the, the mandatory challenger and uh, he's 26 uh, and oh as well he's not lost a fight and he's a local lad from Charlie as well and he'd be uh, he's going to be a good challenger for uh, for Taylor I mean he's had some good wins at uh, a domestic level as Catrell but this is going to be a whole different ball game against uh, against Taylor who's you know come up against some some really good fighters himself at world level now Regis Pro and Jose Carlos Ramirez and he's 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 blasted his way through them all really and uh, you know he's right at the top of his game and one of the best uh, one of the best boxers in the in the UK at the moment. So that was a massive uh, massive bout that's been uh, been rescheduled for February. But it's still going to be a good one. You know, it's going to be a good one. It's, it's a shame it's been postponed. But when when fighters pick up these injuries, you know, in camp and you know close to the uh, the, the fight now, there's not a lot you can do there. You, you can't train now, so uh, so they've had to reschedule it. And that's the best of both worlds really for both fighters. But still going to be a good one. Just a shame it, it's not going to happen in December. But still looking forward to that one in February. Does it does it worry boxers? Obviously that kind of thing happening that that you push your body to the absolute limit then your, your body starts sort of creaking um is, is that a concern should that be a concern for, for taylor um i suppose it depends what what the injury is really i mean they've stated it as a knee injury haven't they? anybody can pick up an injury can't they mm. you know sometimes it can be a freak injury that happens in your house or, or whatever i don't know the finer details of the injury but uh but no one think there's anything to worry about you know he's, these 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 boxers are, are, are big athletes aren't they and terrific athletes terrifically fit and you know, it's just good that he can postpone that now and then once his his knee heals, he can get back to some sort of training camp and maybe an eight-week camp again and get himself in in tremendous shape for uh, for the bout in February. So I don't think he'd be too concerned about it. I mean, it's best that he, he does reschedule. I mean, there's no point in trying to hide that and, and bluff your way through your training camp because you're only going to hamper yourself with, with an injury, aren't you? So, uh, so yeah, it's just, uh, just unfortunate because it's been... Um, it's been a massive bill, like I said. All the tickets were sold for it in the in the arena in Scotland, so it was going to be a great night. But sadly, it's just been postponed uh, for two months. Yeah, I think the challenge is for Jack Catterall to keep in the zone because obviously he was due to fight, but obviously now he's been taken away. He has to stay in that uh, you know zone he's in now to make sure that he performs brilliantly in February. Yeah, he certainly does. And like I said before, it's a big step up for him. He's been very, very good at British level, but he's going up now with someone in Josh Taylor who's a who's a big puncher as well for the weight. You know, very, very big puncher for the weight. And, uh, you know, a super lightweight. They're not the biggest guys in the world, these these lads. But, you know, he's out of his 18 fights, Taylor, he's, uh, 13 of them have come from knockouts. And, and that's sort of, 
that's pretty unheard of at that sort of weight, really. I mean, that's that's a big puncher. He's a massive puncher at the weight. So it's going to be, you know, if you look at the odds at the moment, I mean, Taylor's well odds on favourite for this one. But, you know, Carroll's a he's, a he's a tough lad. He's got a good chin and he's got a good engine as well. And, uh, and he's a guy that can go the distance. So, like I said, he's the mandatory challenger and that's up to, uh, to him to rise to the challenge. I'm sure he will do. But, yeah, it's frustrating for him because he'll put his like, heart and soul into his camp and then to have it sort of postponed till after Christmas, especially with a festive period as well, because that's tough for anybody because there's going to be temptations there isn't you know Christmas time and things like that he's got to keep his head on now and, and keep training right the way through till the, till the fight comes in February but should be a very very intriguing one Rob Who's the older fighter Paul? Uh, Josh Taylor is 30 um, and I think Jack Carroll's about late 20s 28, 29 so there's not much between them to be honest with you but uh, and they both had a similar amount of fights really Carroll's had more he's had 26 fights but like I said he's never really fought the echelonches that, that Josh Taylor has so um, you know Taylor's took the, took the world by storm over the last uh, last couple of years or so um, obviously the, the Covid pandemic slowed him down a bit but he's been in tremendous form since uh, you know things have opened up again and um, you know big massive ticket seller in Scotland as well and uh, yeah, this this should be a great domestic sort of dust up. You know, Scotland against England. You know, British fights are always uh, are always there's a, there's a bit more on the line, isn't that rivalry as well? So I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'd be a great fight. Yeah, uh, the boxer series has confirmed the super lightweight lineup as a rising contenders and former title holders battle it for the big prize fund in Liverpool. Tell us uh, tell us about that. Yeah, this 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 format has been um, has been done before by by Sky Sports and various other. Uh, television networks and they used to call it the prize fighter tournament where you'd have six between six and eight fighters who'd all fight each other um i think it's eight that they've got in this this time so they all fight you know like a quarter final then semi-final and final if you like like a round robin tournament it's all on the same night so it's like little short fights of sort of three minute round uh, three 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 minute rounds so it's a different sort of style of boxing you can't really make a mistake it's all guns blazing then you get a bit of a break and then everyone else comes in and uh, so it's, it's it's a fascinating a tournament this one um, we, we've not seen it for a few years now but there's been some great sort of um, tournaments like this over the last few years but this one's got some people in who fought each other before we've got the uh, Liverpudley and Sean Dodd and also his fellow uh, scouser Tom Farrell who fought each other before uh, there's a couple of lads in there Lee Appleyard as well who's fought Sean Dodd before as well so some of these fighters have met each other before you know in, in 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 bigger bouts and you know, all that 10 12 round bouts so um, so there's a bit of a, a bit of history there for this tournament there's a bit of prize money offer as well i'm not quite sure they they total amount for it but this should be an excellent tournament so i know tickets are selling fast for it and it is it's a real real good uh, a good tournament to watch it's you know it's more gunslinging really because you know, you, you can sort of go out there and uh, throw caution to the wind because you're only in, in for a couple of rounds, so you can't afford to make any mistakes. So it should be fascinating. I know the draw's being made in a few weeks as well, uh, so they'll all know if they're fighting each other in the quarterfinals and that. So I'm looking forward to that. It's, uh, it's in Liverpool as well. It should be it should be an excellent tournament and one to uh, one to watch. How many how many fights do you have in a night? Uh, well, if you got to the final, you'd be quarter final, semi final, and final, wouldn't you? So the the, the most most fights you had is three. Right. So uh, so yeah, like as I said before, like a round robin tournament. So you win your quarter final, you have a you have a break, then a couple of fights break, and uh, maybe an hour or so, and then you're back in again then for your, for your semi final. So so yeah, it takes it out of the body. But like I said, it's only three. I say it's only three three rounds, but. <laughs> Um, it's it's tough. It's all action. It's all adrenaline, isn't it? So um, as I said before, these these lads are competing for uh, for a big prize. So it should be uh, it should be really good. There's a, there's a lot on this one. As I said, there's some new up and coming uh, lads in it, and there's also like that's a Sean Dodd who's probably late thirties now and he's been around. 
you know the circuit for a while. He's he's looking for a bit of redemption in this, so uh, so it should be should be an excellent match. Do, do, does that mean the, the boxers have to train differently? Like obviously, having sort of three fights, sort of back to back, um, you know, studying opposition. That I'm sure there must be more data to absorb because obviously you need to know what fighters do what. Um, I'd say so. Yeah, it's probably a bit more like the white collar sort of format, where white collar fighters, you know, amateur fighters are only fighting for sort of three rounds, and you can't really make a mistake in that. Really, you know, you get knocked down and, and, and have a ten eight round against you, then you've got to go looking for a knockout. So. As I said, it's not really like a 12-round fight where it'll be a bit more cagey and there'll be a lot more technical stuff in there. This this more, as I said, it's like he's gunslinging because you're going for a knockout or you're going to put somebody down to, to get you get you that points win or get yourself that knockout in, in the three rounds. So fighters will come out and throw caution to the wind. I think that's what the crowd like. They like that excitement, don't they? Of two blokes coming out, meeting in the centre of the wing and, and, and trading some leather. So, you know, sometimes boxing can be very cagey, can be very technical, but, you know, mark my words, this this tournament, I think you'll see see a lot of action, a lot of explosion and, and maybe one or two knockouts and, and certainly some knockdowns. Has anyone ever, ever gone sort of to the big time from this kind of event? Well, yeah, all, all these, these fighters are all pros. Um, as I said before, Sean Sean Dodds fought before for, for titles. Um, he's held titles before at sort of British level and uh, English level. So they maybe not world world level fighters these guys, but they're all domestic fighters and uh, the lads that have had good careers. Some, as I said, are at different ends of the career. Sean Dodds about I think he's about thirty six, thirty seven now. So he's um, he's a real character. Masha Dodd is uh, his nickname. He's a real character in Birkenhead in, in, in Merseyside there. So uh, he brings a brings a good following with him, and he's always a, a good guy to see. As as well so so yeah they're all at different ends of their careers and and, and um you know they this season pros at some of them so um yeah it should be it should be a good night yeah obviously i've thought all about you know the different sort of aspects of this part i think it's, it'll be good for the, the boxers because obviously they get a bit of a limelight um how does it work off off the uh you know off the out of the ring is it you share the part or does the winner take the does the winner take all? As far as I know, the winner takes the lot. That's how prize fighter used to, to work. Um I think they've not had a prize fighter for a few years now. I know Anthony Crawler was involved in, in one of those a few years ago, maybe maybe about ten years ago now. I've probably lost track of time. But um I think the prize fund for that was about thirty grand, something like right. that. So it's, it's decent money. It's decent money that you get. So I would have thought it'd be something similar to that now. And you know, a, a night at the uh, it's the M and S banker, it used to be the um What's the arena called in Liverpool? Was it the Echo Arena? It's the same yeah. one. It's the Max and Spencer's Arena. Now it's a fantastic venue that right on the uh, on the docks there at, at Liverpool. So uh, you know there'll be definitely be a massive crowd in there. I'm not too sure who else is on the bill as well. If there's any other local sort of domestic fights as well, but you, I don't think you'll need them. There'll be uh, the action will be all action there. You know what we have. You'll have four quarterfinals, what your two semi-finals and a final. So um, so that that should uh, should pass the night really well. Yeah, does it kind of happen abroad as well? Does it? Or is it just a British thing? Um, as far as I know, it's just a British thing. Really, I've never heard of it abroad before. We've had the Super Six tournament before, but mm. that's where you not you're not doing all your fights in one night. That's where they've had sort of six fighters together and they've all played off against each other over a number of months. Um, this sort of tournament, no, I've I've only ever heard of that over here. Before. they've had quite a few of them, you know, different weight divisions. Um, but a lot of the time it's to try and try and spring springboard people's careers and you know relaunch people's careers and put people back into the limelight. So uh, 
I think it's a good thing. I really do. I think it's it's great to see the older fighters who are probably coming towards the end of their careers getting a, you know that that final chance, and also it can launch you know youngsters as well. You know, younger guys at the, the start of their careers, it can put them in the the limelight, gets a few. These these fights go on your record as well. They go on your professional record, so um, they are shown on there as well. If you look at the, the guy's record the day after, the, these fights will be on there, so um, they count as a win against your, your your record. So so yeah, it should be uh, should be super. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, and it's, uh, is it live on Sky? As far as I'm aware, it is on Sky Sports. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of um, lot of change, hasn't there, on Sky? This new uh, promoter box is spelled B-O-X-E-R. They've, they've taken over the uh, the coverage on Sky Sports now. A lot of the the uh, the fights have gone to um, some other channels. I think Dan's in and a few others, so it's got yeah. quite complicated and quite political. But as far as I'm aware, this is on it is on Sky Sports. Just a look now, yeah, it's on Sky Sports. So uh, if you've got that, you know, you can get to that and you've got access to that. I'd, I'd encourage you to watch it because uh, you won't be disappointed. I think it's a Friday night as well, so uh, it should be uh, definitely worth sitting down and uh, watching. Obviously, because it's split between boxing, it seems now we're split between Sky. Is it Dan's in? You said said boxer, uh, the BBC. Um, I think Channel 5 also have, have boxing as well. Is it good for the sport that you have different uh, sort of fights on in different channels? Or would it be better if everyone was together? Well, you've got BT Sport as well. I think yeah, BT, BT Sport are a massive player in it. Uh, I think they had the Tyson Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder fight, didn't they? So they're a big yeah. player in it at the moment. And they're probably taking it away from Sky, really, haven't they? So, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of it being all over the place. Sometimes it's hard to keep track. You'll you'll have a look and see, oh, there's such a fight's on tonight, and you you're scratching around trying to find out, you know, what channel it's on. So it's difficult sometimes, and uh, you know, quite a lot of the the big fights are pay per view, and you know, if you've got a family and a couple of kids and that, it can be quite an expensive night, you know, paying thirty odd quid to to watch a sport that you love. So that that does frustrate me at times. Sometimes I, I'm a big believer in, you know, sport being on terrestrial real television for everybody to watch but that's that's like another story really isn't it but yeah it, it can be difficult trying trying to track boxing down and and things like that trying to find out where the uh, where the where the fights are but there's some good apps out there that you can uh, you can keep a track of it are certain boxers linked to certain providers Good question. Yes, I think they are at the moment. Yeah, depending on who you are fighting under and who your promoter is. Hmm. Um, I can't give you the list. I've not got no. it to hand. But, no, well, that, but uh, what I'm yeah. saying is, does it does that affect who you possibly have to fight in the future? Yes, it can do. And it, it affects what channel you fight on as well. I know hmm. quite a lot of um, fighters have signed up to Sky Sports, haven't they? This new boxer. Um you know, this new boxer series and the, 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 the televised fights that they're having on. I think Chris Eubank has been one of those. He was on a couple of weeks ago. He's he's signed up for that and he's he's quite a big name in the in the UK at the moment as he's chasing a you know, the world another world title shot. So um, and a lot of people have moved over, haven't they, to, to other things. I know Tyson Fury always seems to be on BT Sports and uh, you know the, the box office channel there as well. So it's massive money at the moment, particularly at the heavyweight level. You know, there's there's, there's some tremendous money in the sport, but uh, but yeah, it does get very political and, uh, and very complicated from time to time. Yeah, talking about the Tyson uh, Tyson Fury, uh, a few weeks has passed since his uh, his epic fight with uh, Dante Wilder. What did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was a, a tremendous display from him. I mean, I was listening to a lot of pundits who were saying that Wilder had, you know, put an awful lot into this camp, and I think a lot of people were believing that Deontay Wilder was going to beat him. You know, Tyson Fury was being doubted because of the shape he was in and his training and this, that, and the other. But you know, he never, never really disappoints, does he? He always seems to deliver. I think you know, psychologically, he's, you know, he, he can. 
his, his brain must work overtime. You know, he has so much belief in his own ability and, and he, he just never seems to give up. Um, you've only got to go back to the, the, the previous fights with Wilder when he got off the canvas. I've never seen anybody get off a canvas from a shot like that and then go on and, you know, and carry on fighting. So the, the chain and the desire and the heart that he's got, it, it's going to be very difficult for, for anybody in the world to beat him. So I, I can't see anybody at the moment being able to, to beat him. And he boxed perfectly as well. He's he's so slippery and uh, so slick at times and so difficult, so awkward, I think is the word. You know, a lot of people use he's very, very awkward to fight against. And, you know, if you're a coach of of a fighter going in with Tyson Fury, what how do you how do you try and combat that? I'm not so sure you can. So uh, yeah, it was a great fight, great atmosphere and uh, you know, people weren't disappointed whether they really enjoyed it. You know, sometimes these sort of big fights can can not, not be not live up to expectation, can they? We've had that a few times before, but this one definitely did. You know, people were talking about it for weeks afterwards, so uh, so it was a great fight. And uh, obviously the uh, the AJ Tyson Fury potential fight sort of rolled on. Uh, do you think it gets any closer with the result? Um, well, not with it. Well, not with Anthony Joshua losing. No. Um, you know, a, a few weeks before that. It's it's a difficult one now. He's he's probably dropped down in a pecking order. But what what does Tyson Fury do? Who else does he fight now? Who else is there out there for him? Will he retire? That's been a question, hasn't it? So I'm not too sure what will happen there. That could be one of those fights that we never see, which would be a shame, really, because you know everybody wanted to see that fight, didn't they? But I still think it'd be a great fight. You know, two styles, two different styles. But for me, I think Joshua's better off when he. You know, in his old style of fighting, the way he used to come out and, and just pummel people. And I think he seems to have changed his tactic for me the last couple of fights. And if it was his coach, I'd just be telling him to get back on and do what you're good at. And uh, that brought the best out in Anthony Joshua. I'd, st- I'd still like to see that fight, but whether it'll happen, I, I, I wouldn't. If I was a betting man, I, I, I'd say I don't think that'll happen now. But, uh, but we'll have to see. Yeah, it might be one of them sort of like which which Rocky is it when they have the Rocky and his his mate have a fight uh, sort of in the gym by themselves? It'll be a bit like that. Rocky twenty or something. There's, there's plenty, there's plenty <laughs> yeah. of them, aren't there? But yeah, all, all great films as well and great soundtracks and what have you. So so yeah, we'll have to watch this space on that one. But with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, they've both got some years left in them. They're not old men, are they? So uh, they could be around for a while yet. And boxing is one of those sports isn't, where uh, you know things happen, grudge matches happen, and Things you know, all of a sudden a fight will get made and it'll be a great surprise. So, uh, so we'll have to just fingers crossed that that something comes up. Yeah. So let's uh, talk ice hockey now, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Manchester Storm been going well, Rob, haven't they? Can you tell us all about the uh, the, the recent fixtures? Yeah, they've got a game on Saturday. They're at home to Guildford, and then on Sunday uh, they're away at Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham are a good side. Uh, Ryan Finnerty and his men are going to have to be in top form to get a result there. But Guildford at home on the Saturday, Paul, I think is a winnable game. Um, I think they've been in good form recently. They've, they beat Belfast three 0 who were sort of a top team in that in in the division. So if they uh, be able to put up a big performance against Belfast, then obviously like a couple of weeks ago, then Obviously, they'll be able to hopefully keep that that form going and uh, beat Guildford and Nottingham, and that will give us four more points and keep us going up that league. What's the secret you think to, to Manchester Storm's early good form? You know, can you can you see anything different that they're doing this season to to previous seasons? Yeah, well, I think what it is, Paul, they, they found 
uh, a way to score goals. I've always said Manchester Storm struggle in front of the the net, uh, but this this uh, this season with, with the likes of Critchlow uh, involved, uh, scoring goals isn't a problem for him. Uh, and when we're hoping that that kind of form continues, because you, you need to be able to take the chances when they come. And that's that is the that is the key message that Ryan Finney will be putting out to his players in these next few weeks. If you can take the chances then this team will go. And that's important, obviously, going towards the playoffs at the back end of the season. If you're in a position, uh, you can do damage. And that's that's a good thing uh, for Manchester Storm. They've got experience. They've got good quality set up as well. They've got good players. So they get a bit of luck, score some goals, then who knows what might happen. Where do they currently lie in the uh, in the old league table? Well, it's it's kind of mid table at the moment, Paul. It's it's, it's difficult to say, uh, but you're hoping that, obviously, they'll keep they'll keep up the the good the good performances, and uh, we'll be looking for more wins in the next uh, few weeks. So uh, let's talk football now, Paul. And we'll start uh, with Manchester United. Uh, they are at home to Atalanta in the in the Champions League on Tuesday. Uh, big game for Ollie. He certainly is, yeah. There's been a bit of pressure recently, hasn't there? And, um, you know, some tough fixtures as well for Manchester United. It's getting to that sort of stage of the season now where you're coming into towards the winter months and, uh, and games are coming thick and fast. So, yeah, this is a pressure game. It's not been the, the greatest start to a season. It's been a bit up and down for me, Manchester United. There was a whole euphoria of, of the Ronaldo sort of signing and I don't think Ronaldo's disappointed. I think he's been, been great in the games he's played, but I think some of the players players around him now have got to start standing up and being counted because some of the results have been a bit of a letdown recently. But this is this is a big game this now in the in the group stages. Obviously Champions League is a really important tournament uh, for the club and, and, and for Manchester United and the fans. I think they need to make sure they, they keep focused, Paul, because obviously if you start dropping points at all and that's when the problems start. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, yeah. I mean that 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 can be um be difficult really I mean dropping points away no you don't want to drop any points at all but when you start dropping points at home you've got an expectant crowd there crowd can start getting on your case pressure starts building and you know that's when it starts to get difficult then you know and you start to perhaps players try a bit too hard then don't they and make even more mistakes so uh, so yeah the a result is, is definitely needed really and uh, as I said before the, the Champions League's a a massive tournament, isn't it? And you, you don't get a lot of chances in that, really. You know, you make mistakes and lose a couple of group games and you, you're behind the eight ball, aren't you? So they definitely need to get a result in this one. Obviously, Atalanta are the underdogs, uh, Paul. They'll be a difficult uh, sort of sort of team to face because obviously the Old Trafford faithful will want United to attack. But Ollie and his men need to be disciplined. They do. They do need to be disciplined because these these sides in Champions League, Atalanta, they're, they're no mugs, are they? And you don't want them catching you in the break. If you go too too sort of gung ho in the game and uh, and leave yourself open, they'll, they'll hit you and they'll they'll cause you problems. I think they've got the players to, to cause Manchester United problems, haven't they? So, uh, but yeah, you're right. As I said about the uh, the expectant crowd, you know, Manchester United supporters will will want to see some attacking flair, won't they? And uh, they'll they'll be expectant and they'll they'll want to see some goals scored as well. But it's vitally important that United just 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 get it right, especially at the back, you know, where uh, you can keep a clean sheet then you're halfway there. Yeah, and obviously they, they sit top of the of the division uh, above Villa Villarreal. Um obviously a win against uh, Atalanta will will hopefully uh, confirm a next uh, next round progression. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Then uh, you see where where you go from there. Then the games get tougher and tougher. Then don't you as you start playing the sides that have won in their group. So, uh, so yeah, it'd be nice for them to to qualify and have that sort of pressure taken off them, you know, before it gets right to the end of the of the group stages. But with big games coming up in the. Uh, in the Premiership as well, it, it's coming thick and fast now, isn't it? So uh, before too long, they'll be entering the FA Cup as well. Won't that'll be around the corner, won't it? Sort of January time. So, so yeah, games are coming thick and fast. But yeah, I, I, I'd be confident of Manchester United getting a result against Atalanta and uh, and then progressing through. Yeah, Man City are at home uh, to Club Bruges. Paul, obviously Pep Guardiola's men. The European Cup is the one that they're missing. It's it's a big pressure on the club and and the players. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, with two wins and one loss, the second in the uh, in the table. So you're hoping that they can get a win against uh, Club Bruges and obviously get into the next round. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so, Rob. I think City have been been playing some good stuff at the moment. A couple of weeks ago, the excellent result against Brighton away from home. That you know Brighton have been. Playing some good stuff themselves, but City sort of real stamped their authority in that game and uh, getting a one a four one victory there. And uh, you know they, they they beat Club Rouge away from all five one, didn't they? So they're on a good run of form at the moment and uh, not conceding loads of goals. I think the the Liverpool two was it two two draw at Liverpool. So yeah, and, and the, the win at Chelsea as well. If you go back to to September, that that was a good result for them. You know, Chelsea currently around the top of the table, aren't they? So uh, so yeah they. The PSG game was a bit disappointing, wasn't it, away from home? But other than that, City have, have been pretty faultless so far this season and, and looking good as well. So um, I'd expect them to beat Club Bruges. I think they'd have, have too much for them and, uh, and expect them to, to qualify as well. And then on Saturday, it's the Derby, Manchester Derby, Manchester Derby Man United v Man City at Old Trafford. Paul, uh, red v blue divides the city. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and you'd probably say at this moment in time with with the form book and things like that, Manchester City be, be favourites to win that game, but it's always tough to go to Old Trafford, and I, and I don't think you can. I think form goes out of the window for derby matches, me. I, I don't think it comes into play. I think there's a lot more pressure on it. Players are going to raise the game, and that'll be a difficult game for Manchester City. That, and if I was a betting man, I think I'd go for a draw on that one because. Uh, I don't think there's a lot between the two sides. I really don't. And Manchester City, you know, had a terrible record at Old Trafford, didn't they, up until the last few years? And they've done done a lot better there and, and come away results. But, you know, I'd expect, you know, Ollie Solskjaer and his, his Manchester United side to raise the game for that. Crowd are going to be... Uh, Going to be well up for it as well, aren't they? I think it's a dinner time kickoff. Is it a Saturday dinner time yep. kickoff? So that'll be, a, that'll be a tremendous atmosphere there at Old Trafford. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go for a, I reckon a two-two draw in that game. I think there'll, I think there'll be a few goals, but I, I can't see there being a lot between the two sides. I, I think it'll be a draw. Is it the derby, the bigger derby for Ole than Pep? Because obviously, Ole going to social question gets questioned a lot about his managerial skills and, and people question his ability to manage Manchester United. So does um defeat against City on Saturday, does that ring kind of a one of the nails in his final coffins maybe? Um if they've not sacked him already, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see won't we what happens in the lead up to that. Um I don't know. It's a difficult one that I mean you get people moaning all the time, don't you, about managers and things like that. And you only have a sort of a couple of results away from being the worst manager in the country, aren't you? But having said that, on the other side of the coin, you win a few games on the balance and you're the best thing since sliced bread. So if Oli Solskjaer beats Manchester City, you know, 
and this Manchester City side over the last few years has been really good, hasn't it? Let's let's have it right. So any sort of victory against them is is, is celebrating quite rightly. So so yeah. I wouldn't. I think, like you're saying there about the bigger derby, I think it's a big derby for City as well because you just nailed it before when you said, you know, City have never won that Champions League. So, no matter how much noise Manchester City make, you know, Manchester United have been there and done it on a, on a few occasions, haven't they? So, you know, been champions of Europe. So, Manchester City have still got that 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 legacy to sort of achieve. So, it's a, it's a big game for Manchester City as well. So, I can't split them. As I said, I can't split them. I think it'll be a tight game. Maybe maybe make me two two is a bit, you know, optimistic really. I think it perhaps could be tighter than that really. You know, both sides won't want to be giving a lot away, but there's a lot of attacking flair in both teams, isn't there? So uh, we could see goals. It'd be great to see goals. You know, where people enjoy that. So, uh, but yeah, regarding the bigger derby, I think I think it's fifty fifty really. I think both, you know, bragging rights and things like that for derby matches are important to both sets of supporters, aren't they? Manchester yeah. City won't want to let their supporters down the same way as Manchester United because uh, it's a lonely place on a Monday when uh, you've lost in, in a Manchester derby and you're going into the office or going into work or whatever and you're you're on the losing side. So uh, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to say which one's the bigger derby. Yeah, looking at the the stats, Paul, um, biggest Man City derby win. Do you do you know that off the top of your head? I think they won six one, didn't they at, uh, at Old Trafford? They did five one years ago in yep. the late eighties. Eighty-nine was it? Yep. I think they won six-one when Balotelli. But all all them seasons sort of merge into one to me after hmm. the year two thousand. So I remember the eighty-nine one though vaguely, and yep. I can also remember Manchester United beating City five-nil. I think in the in the mid nineties. Yep, nine nine four. Yeah, which yeah. is a which was a which is a good one. Um, total meetings one hundred eighty-four. Overall record. How many wins do you think Man City have have, have won? Ooh. 184 total. How many have they won out of 184? Yeah. Um, 60. Close. 55. Oh, that's not bad. How many do you think United's won? Uh, 90. Mm. Not, not, not that good. 76. Right, OK. Oh, uh, guess how many draws? Was. Without doing the maths. The maths yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put the calculator down. I don't know. Um, 30. 53 draws. Right. Premier League-wise, uh, 47 matches. City have won 15. United have won 23. And uh, nine nine draws. Wow. Uh, I didn't expect good. that. So, yeah. He had, uh, thought... long, and the longest unbeaten derby run uh, for Man City was nine between 1952 and 1955. And United was... 16 between 1989 and 2001 which is interesting yeah I was going to say that the 90s were quite quite a bleak period for Manchester City I used to go to quite a lot of Manchester City games with uh, a few of my friends and that when they were in the old third division and it it was I can remember um, coming back on the bus one day and I think they played Millwall or something and they won they had a good result and we were listening to the radio on the bus it's like, oh, great, City's won. And then it come on the radio that Man United won 8-1 or something against Nottingham Forest. Like, Blimey, we've had a good win today, but they've won by even more. It, it seemed like they were light years ahead of Manchester City and they'd never catch them up. But, you know, times change, don't they? And I never thought I'd see a Manchester City side winning 
you know, league titles. I mean, I wouldn't say they were my side, but an awful lot of my family support Manchester City. So I, I never thought in my lifetime they'd be winning Premier Leagues and that. It just seems, uh, you know, from where they came from. So, uh, so yeah, and I can remember, uh, I remember one one game from being a kid that was a really exciting derby game. It was a three three draw between the two t- teams. I think it was about nineteen ninety something like that. Yeah. And uh, City were two 0 up, three one up, um, three three. I think it finished up, and that was a cracking. That was at Main Road. And I think that was the season Ryan Giggs made his debut because I think he scored in the other fixture at Old Trafford. I think he scored a goal in that in that game. So, uh, so yeah, that's some years ago. Yeah, and uh, the all-time Manchester derby top scorers. Who do you think scored the most Manchester derby goals? Ooh. Red Hamlet. Uh, for United, I'd probably say Dennis Law. Uh, no, not in the top no. 10. Oh, is he not? Blimey. But David Beckham scored a few. Not in the top 10. No, is he not? Nope. Um, I'll give you a clue. Oh, he's, he's, goals. He's English. False goals. Uh, he's nine with seven. Uh, right, let's, let's get my head on here now. Giggs. Okay. Giggs is not on there, no. Uh, I'm trying to think of who was there. Man United. He was a centre forward. Andy Cole. Nope. Is he used to? He's like a centre forward. He used to play just behind when he got a bit older. He's Ooh. a manager now. Yeah. Went to America, played football there. He's got a, a son called Kai Rooney. Oh, sorry, yeah, Rooney. Yeah. yeah. Rooney. So Wayne Rooney's on eleven. Right. Um, Joey Hayes with ten. Right. And then who do you think City's top? Another City's top scorer. Um, played in the seventies. Uh, Franny Lee, chairman for a bit. Franny Lee, yeah, with ten. Yeah. Aguero's nine. Bobby Charlton's nine. Colin Bell eight. Eric Cantar eight. Brian Kidd eight. For well, between us and between United and City. Right. Joe Spencer with eight. Paul Scholes with seven. And Dennis Violet with seven. Right. So there right. you go. You've learned something today, Paul. Certainly have, yeah. There's some names in there, aren't there as well? Some cracking players in there. So, so yeah, I have learned something there, definitely. <laughs> so, obviously, just looking at the other other Premier League fixtures of the day, uh, Paul, uh, Brentford are at home to Norwich. Uh, Norwich struggling at the moment. Brentford flying. Uh, home win for me. Yeah, Norwich have had a, a real struggling start to the season. The two sides were promoted together, wasn't they, as well? And you would have thought, really, that Norwich probably got a bit more resources than Brentford, but I've been really impressed with them. You know, really, really impressed with them. I've been to their ground a few times, haven't we, watching uh, watching Salford? I think they've redeveloped it since then. Uh, London Broncos used to share that ground, didn't they? Griffin Park, is it? Yeah. And uh, no, they look a, a good little club, really. They've, they've come up on a high, haven't they? And continue to play the sort of football they were playing last season. They've not spent loads of money, but they've kept the, the majority of the players from last year. And that confidence has, has stayed with the side. And yeah, I think you're right there. I think Norwich are in dire straits at the moment. And that would be a home win for Brentford. Yeah, uh, Chelsea v Burnley. Chelsea flying at the moment. Uh, contender for the title. If you want to, I've always said, if you want to win the title... You've got to win your own games, and Burnley is a potential Bayern game for them. Yeah, yeah, Burnley are a funny side, aren't they? Um, saw a bit of them at Manchester City a few weeks ago, and um, you know they had chances in that game, beating two 0 but they could have got something out of it if they'd have took the chances. So you know, Sean Dyche is a, is a, is a good manager, and he he's been there a long time now at Burnley, hasn't he? Part of the furniture there now, he's been there that long, and he's done a terrific job there, and. Uh, 
I think they play some good football, Burnley, and you've got to be on your game, haven't you? If you have a bit of an off day, they'll catch you. So that's, that is a potential banana skin. The way Chelsea are playing, you'd expect them to get a result from that. But if they're not quite right and not tuned up on the day, you know, Burnley could take something from that game. Uh, Crystal Palace v Wolves. Crystal Palace at home, always a tough side uh, at Sellers Park. Uh, Wolves, you know, are a good side. Jimenez up front, scoring goals for them again. Uh, so it'll be an intriguing encounter, that. It's got to draw it and all over it, that Rob, I think. <laughs> you know, there's, there's two sides there and you thought, sort of think, mm, both playing some decent football at the moment. I'd, I'd probably go for a draw on that one. Uh, Brighton v Newcastle. Obviously, Newcastle's new owners have come in. Brighton are good at home but can't score goals. Yeah, that's right. They've they made a good start to the season, though, Brighton, haven't they? And uh, as you said, struggling to score goals. And Newcastle, there's going to be an awful lot of expectation on their shoulders, isn't there, with new owners coming in with, with, with big grand plans and things like that. I think for Newcastle, though, they've just got to you know, walk before they can run, really, and not get you know ideas above the station. They've got to build that slowly there for me. They've got an awful lot of potential at St James's Park, you know, that part of the world. It's it's a football hotbed, you know, right in the centre of the city, that ground we've been to a few times, haven't we, the rugby at the Magic Weekend and things like that. It really is a, a mad place for sport and I think they could build something really special there, but just do it the right way. Don't go throwing money in and everywhere and trying to do it too soon. I think they've got to build slowly. How, how slowly is slowly, Paul, would you say? <sighs> it's what I think it's... In football these days, you, you don't really get time, do you, to do things? You know, you'll bring a manager in, he'll lose three or four games and they'll sack him and it's like swings and round. You're going round in circles, aren't you? So I think they just need to take the time, put some foundations in place. You know, they've, they've got a decent youth academy there, haven't they? And cracking training facilities at Newcastle and uh, the infrastructure's there as well, isn't it? You know, kids playing the game locally and, and that. If you get that academy up and running and you know, start from the bottom. I mean, yeah, bring some players in, but um, I, I always compare it to like when Salford had a bit of money, you know, when Marlon Kukas came in at Salford, it was all done the wrong way for me and money was splashed out here, there and everywhere and you got players coming in who perhaps weren't that bothered and weren't really really there for the right reasons. If you've got players there for the right reasons that want to win things and want to do well and want to spread their knowledge, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's important if you bring perhaps some old wise heads in who are going to help youngsters along and experience pros and things like that. Just, yeah, I don't I don't know how long long is in football though, Rob. It's, it, you know, owners and chairmen get itchy feet very, very quickly, don't they? They do, Paul, and that's the thing. It's a business to them, and they want to see instant results. But you know, football isn't like that. Sport isn't like that. You know, you might get an instant result, but then next week you're losing. You're back to square one. So it will be interesting to see what happens uh, next for them. Next fixture on the Sunday: Arsenal are at home to Watford. Uh, Ranieri back in management at Watford. Arsenal are a bit of a up and down side this season. They're not the Arsenal that they were sort of twenty years ago, are they? No, um, nowhere near. You know the the Wenger Arsenal that we that we saw in the, the late nineties and two thousands. Um, I think they've still got a bit of a hangover from 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 the Wenger era. To be honest with you, Watford. I was very impressed with them a few weeks ago. They had a, a thumping win at Everton. Um, scored some some cracking goals in that game. So you never know what you're going to get with Watford. They're they're like uh, like, like Salford, aren't they? A real sort of unpredictable team. So uh, that that could be a good game. That you know, a bit of a derby match as well, as you said, Ranieri back. Um, Another draw for me. Uh, Everton are at home to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Rafa Benitez uh, at Everton. Um, Tottenham still trying to find that secret uh, to get them into that sort of top four. Uh, it will be interesting because obviously Everton 
are a team that are looking to get into that top four, top six. So they, really, they need to be looking for a win there. They do, and they, they're not doing too bad this season, Everton. But that 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 defeat to, to Watford a few weeks ago set them back a bit, really, didn't it? Um, they're they're a side that you know that, that could be up there and could be challenging for that top top four or five, top six this season. There's, there's no doubt about that. But games against Tottenham are, 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 are big six pointers, really, aren't they? Because you took got Tottenham up there as well, who were who were challenging. They're they're always usually there or thereabouts, aren't they? You know, looking for European football. So this game is going to be a close one to call between Everton and Tottenham. I can't say draw again, can I? I'll have to, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to go uh, down the line on this one. I'm going to I'm going to go for a Tottenham win. I think Tottenham will sneak it too well. Uh, Leicester. Uh, uh, away to Leeds. Leeds back in the Premier League. Uh, found um, kind of a, the feet a bit in the Premier League now. So you're hoping if Leeds want to be looking at getting into the next step, which is like European football, uh, you beat Leicester. Home. Yeah, Leicester, another side that have been a bit unpredictable this season. A cracking win against United, didn't they, uh, a month or so ago? And, um, you know, since then, they've drifted down the table a little, sort of mid table at the moment. Leeds are just on the outskirts of the relegation zone haven't they so they're, we, they're desperate for for three points aren't they especially at Ellen Road they'll be looking to, to get a result from that game and I don't know I, I like Leicester I like the way Leicester play football I think they're just a bit unpredictable at the moment aren't they not quite as consistent as they need to be to be in that that sort of top end of the table so that that could be a home win for Leeds that they you know they'd be probably looking to, to get three points from that in their sort of quest to, to stay up yeah, final Premier League fixture on that Sunday. West Ham are at home to Liverpool. West Ham with David Moyes found a bit of form, played quite well. But Liverpool are Liverpool and, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game. Where's that game at? Is it at West Ham? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think West Ham have played some cracking stuff under David Moyes. I really do. I, I think David Moyes is one of those managers sometimes that doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think he's, you know, over the years he's he's turned teams into to real good machines. You know, he did with Everton. He did a terrific job there. Things didn't work out Manchester United. Perhaps he wasn't given the right amount of time at Manchester United. You know, we'll never know. But since he's been at West Ham, I think he's he's worked wonders there. Really, hasn't he? And made them into a to a sort of top eight, top six sort of team. They, they've not been. You know, years ago, West Ham were always sort of in around the relegation zone, weren't they, and, and, and struggling. And you know, on, on the last day, a few times they, they they stayed up. But you know, last few years under David Moyes, they've been uh, nowhere near the relegation zone and more at the top end of the table. So, it'd be a tough game against Liverpool. There's no doubt about that. Liverpool have got the flair, haven't they, and the goals in them. So, uh, I think if you want to beat a side like Liverpool, you've got to score a few goals, haven't you? You can't really park the bus against them because they'll find a way around you. Um, so, yeah, that that should be a good a good match. That, but I probably just edge with Liverpool on that one. Yeah, let's talk about our local uh, side, Salford City FC. They're in the EFL Cup. Uh, they're at home to Leeds United under 21s. Uh, and then on the Monday, uh, they face Dagenham and Redbridge in the FA Cup. Uh, two cup competitions in quick succession uh, for the Amis, Paul. Uh, obviously, they have had success in both recently. So it'll be interesting to see what Gary Bowyer does with his team selection. Yeah, it will be. It will be, and the, the league form has been a bit patchy, hasn't it? This this last month or two, so uh, they've slipped down the league table a bit as well. So uh, you know, a break in these sort of knockout 
uh, tournaments. does give you a bit of a rest from, from the league. FA Cup's always special in every side, particularly from the, the lower leagues, outside the top two leagues. You know, starting that round one, their, their sort of quest is to get to that, that third round and get a big draw. So Salford City will definitely be after that. You know, Dagenham and Redbridge will be a, a tough game for them. But I think if I was a Salford City supporter, I'd be more looking at the, the league table at the moment because, again, the, at the start of the season, they were predicted to do very well and be up there. And it's not worked out for them for one reason or other at the moment this season. So uh, a bit more consistency in the in the league is what's needed. Yep. So that's all the, the football chat now, Paul. And what we're going to do is start talking at rugby league now. And we'll start with Swinton Lions uh, and players going, coming and going. Uh, Martin Ridgeyard has left Swinton. Um, big blow that for Swinton because he was a, a very good player. Uh, and I think he'll be missed yeah, he's a very good organiser, Martin Ridyard, and we, we remember him for his time at, at Lee Centurions. And you no, know, he's probably uh, coming towards the, the back end of his career now, the twilight of his career. But as I said, very good organiser, very good halfback, a lot of knowledge, and uh, you know, excellent kicking game, goal kicker as well. And we've been a bit of a talisman for Swinton in uh, in 2021. So he'll be missed. He'll be a uh, be a hard sort of cog to replace. Yeah, but good news that Swinton have brought in Jack Spencer and Mike Butt. Uh, Jack Spencer, local lad, I think he was on Salford's books early. Um, so it's good that he's back in the area and playing for Swinton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I saw him actually the other day in Monton. Uh, yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we were having a coffee. Oh. So uh, he didn't recognise me. No. <laughs> but, uh, but no, no good kid. He's, he's played, I say good kid, he's probably about 30 now, isn't it? I remember him coming through at Salford and playing a few games in the first team. And, you know, he, he looked a really good player. Spent a bit of time in Australia as well, didn't he? His career took him over there. And also um, at Oldham, I think he played a, a good few years at Oldham. And I think got well over 100 games, I would say, at Oldham, playing under Scott Naylor and, and, and what have you there. So, uh, yeah, he's been around the leagues and, you know, good to see him back at a local club. I think he's a Folly Lane lad, isn't he? I'm sure he played at Folly Lane, did Jack Spencer. So, uh, so yeah, good to see him back at Swinton. He's he's a, he's a season pro now, isn't he? He's a season pro. He's uh, he's played a lot of games under his belt in in, in, a, in a sort of around the league, uh, league one and championship. So, be a good signing, good solid signing for Swinton, especially in that, that league one is going to be a tough league next season for them. So, he'll bolster the, uh, the pack, no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, I've just mentioned Father Lane. Congratulations on uh, them winning, uh, having a few teams involved in the Northwest Counties uh, Cup Finals. Uh, they have done really well and uh, secured a couple of trophy wins there. So that's uh, that's good for them. Um, talking about international football, uh, rugby now, Paul, and uh, England and France had a doubleheader, uh, both men and women. Uh, the men beat the French men 30 points to 10 and the English women beat the French women 40 points to four. Uh, what did you make of that two, obviously, big wins? Is it is it good for the sport that it's a bit of a lopsided scoreline or does that help the development of France? Uh, well, regarding the, the, the women's game, I think the England women are playing pretty well, aren't they? There's been a good season in their Super League and that was a, an excellent result for them. I saw the, the highlights of that and um, they were sort of head and shoulders above. Their, uh, their counterparts really the, the men's game I thought was was tighter than what many people expected really you know France had an awful lot of players making debuts as did England you know there was I think England had five deputants as well 
great to see Niall Evels playing there. You know, former Salford player. I think he deserved his chance. And you know, Morgan Escaray was in the with the French team as well, wasn't he, on the wing? So I must say the the weather looked uh, looked outstanding there, didn't it, for October? <laughs> it looks absolutely red up. But no, England got a couple of late tries, didn't they? And France got a late try there. So I, th- I think for me, it was closer than than what I expected. It was a great start for England, wasn't it? You know, three tries or four tries in the first twenty minutes, really, sort of. Killed the game, didn't it? So, um, so yeah, it was a it was a young side, really. As I said, a lot of players making debuts, and uh, you know, Sean Wayne will, will, will want to work on things there. But there's potential there. There's a, there's a lot of potential in that team. Yeah, obviously, the World Cup has been delayed for a year. Does this help their preparation, having games against the likes of France, uh, getting fired up for the World Cup? Of course it does, yeah. I think I think the more games that you can play together, the better. You know, uh, we don't have enough international games really. Obviously, these players will play against each other in the Super League, but there's nothing like playing together in a team and oiling those partnerships up and you know getting that experience and getting that match sharpness of playing in, uh, under the international banner of England. And every player wants to to represent the country, don't they? The, the, their, their sport. And I was particularly interested watching the interview they did with Jordan Abdul. You know, who got the the call up, didn't he? And he was saying that he, about his mum being really proud of him and things like that. So, so yeah, I think it's great. You know, international sport is is the, is the pinnacle, really. And let's hope we can get some more fixture squeeze. I don't know if they can before the World Cup, because the World Cup's going to be a massive test. You know, no disrespect to France, but New Zealand, Samoa. Tonga, Australia, there's some, going to be some great sides in that World Cup who like to move the ball about, some big players as well. You know, you look at the Aussies and the New Zealanders and the Tongans, some, the, the wingers are like, you know, brick outhouses, aren't they? <laughs> the centre. So, uh, so there's going to be some collisions in there, isn't there, in that? In that. But no, England are showing signs there now that they can uh, they can do well. And, and Sean Wayne's very, very experienced, isn't he, at, at uh, sort of club level and now he's at international level. He knows the game inside out. So I think he's a, he's a good man to lead us. Yep, let's talk about our, our hometown club, Salford Red Devils, uh, announced the signing uh, of a of a new Tongan. I'll let you try and say his name, Paul, because my name uh, sort of announcing isn't the greatest. Oh, the lad from Warrington? Yeah. Is it Siteki Anagola? I'm going to go Siteleki Akuala. There we go. I'm going to say. Yeah, so if I've got that wrong, you'll have to let me know. But yeah, I've um, I've seen him play against us a few times at Warrington. He's a, he's a big guy, isn't he? Uh, about six foot, six foot hard, and yeah. sixteen stone or whatever. So uh, he's had experience as well. I think he's played over in the, in the NRL for West Tigers and Penrith, and got quite a lot of games under his belt at Warrington in the last sort of three seasons or so. So uh, prop forward. Good bit of goal forward from him. He likes to run the ball in hard, and you, you need players like that in your team. Definitely, you need these. We needed to strengthen our pack, didn't we? After losing quite a few forwards this season for one reason or another. So, uh, so yeah, and he, and he knows the game over here. He's been local. He's been, I presume, he's been living in Warrington, so he'll be quite local to Salford. So, uh, he could be a really good acquisition to the squad. Yeah, he certainly has a bit of firepower to that pack and that's what we need really I think obviously we've got a very good set of backs with you know centre wingers who know where the line is and have pace to burn so if you can have uh, forwards that go forward and put them in positions to score tries it's only be a good thing yeah certainly certainly is and you need a pack don't you you know games are won and lost in the pack aren't they that, that pack's got to give you that platform and that goal forward for your backs to play off off that really so um, I think we needed to, to sign players and strengthen the team up and you know it's it, you know good players a few and far between sometimes so Akawal is a, you know, experienced he, he knows the league he knows the, 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 the local area so I think he'll set him fi- settle in fine we've got um, another lad from Australia as well haven't we uh, Shane 
Dean Wright, I think his name is. Um, I've seen some highlights of him as well. I don't know a lot about him, but he's been playing in the NRL for the Cowboys. Um, He looks a big lad as well. Um, so he'll he'll help to bolster that pack. So it's looking exciting. You know, I've seen people sort of saying on on social media, somebody predicted us to finish in the top five or six next season, saying we've uh, we've really strengthened, and um, that was nice to see. So it just shows you people are sort of looking at us, and uh, we just need to hopefully get get a coach, don't we, in the, the next few weeks if we've not got one already by the time this show goes out. So uh, that that that'd be a good thing. But you know, things seem to be to be slotting into place nicely, don't they? It is, Paul, and I think it's important, obviously, people listening to this show realise what a good team and what a good club Sub Red Devils is. Um, all they need is their support and to get behind them. And, and we know with the with the grand final a couple of years ago, the support is there. So you're just hoping that the, that the fans can, you know, and play pull off Salford, can support the team and they can take them to that next level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that 2019 season, the grand final was. We're, we're hoping that's not going to be a flash in the pan. We're hoping we can, we can get to those heights again and, and, and build a good side again that can challenge and, and, and do well. It's obviously going to be tough, but you know, I've been impressed with the with the signs we've made so far. And just going back to last season, I think I think we had the makings of a decent team. Anyway, we've already got some good players. You mentioned the back line there. There's some good players in that back line. Like I said, Dan Sargison and Joe Burgess, the, the season pros, aren't they? You've got Callum Watkins there as well, who got injured. But Morgan Esgray came in and, and looked pretty good towards the end of the season. We've signed a new player, a new halfback in Brodie Croft, who, uh, who by all accounts is, is, a, is a very good player. And we're hoping he adapts to this league really well because he could be the he could be the, the gem that, that, that gets us going next season. He could be the key to, to, to winning matches and unlocking defences. So there's an awful lot to be excited about. I'm, I'm not so sure when the fixtures are out. It can't be that long to, to go now. So, uh, yeah, I'm optimistic for us to have a good season. Yeah. The uh, Supporters Trust uh, have been announced as an official partner uh, to the Red the Reds Elite Development Squad uh, raised £22,000 to Supporters Trust, which they've invested into it. So I think it's fantastic, obviously, the Supporters Trust able to do that kind of thing. And it's so important that fans back it uh, and get involved. It's £10 for a membership uh, and £5 for a player pathway, uh, which is important because obviously we need to produce our own players uh, for the future. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think the supporters trust has, has done really sort of a lot of unsung work over the last few years, haven't they? And um, you know, they they do an awful lot in the community as well. They have some good nights on, don't they? Uh, I think they've got an eighties night coming up soon in, in November. I have to get the date for that. But they've had all sorts of, uh, of nights, and we've been to a few of them, haven't we? They? All with the players getting involved and you know social things like that. I know it's been difficult last last sort of eighteen months with, with what's been going on in the world, but you know it's it's brought the club together. I think um, it really has, and you know, long may that continue but no to raise £22,000 and, and, and put that into the into the, the you know the youth side of the club I think it's, it's a great effort it really is and I'd encourage anybody to join that because it's, it's keeping the club going isn't it and, and, and keeping our future going we've not got a major investor who's ploughing loads of money into us so it's important that the community sort of get together and, and we all we all um, go on the journey with the club so uh, so yeah anybody who can join the trust and, and get involved I think it's a great way to, uh, to help our club yeah uh, Christmas is coming, don't forget, Paul. Uh, VX3 have brought out a bit of merchandise uh, for our fans to buy. I think it's uh, a good thing, very good quality stuff. Um, I'm hoping, obviously, the fans get behind it and put some coppers in the uh, in the club's basket. 
It is good quality stuff. I've got a T-shirt actually that's got my name on it. You know the okay. support, the team ticket holders. Yeah, you've all got your like your name on it. If you go through it, I think mine's right near the bottom. You can oh. there's there's loads of names on it. You know you've got to look really closely to find yours. But <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's, uh, it's 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 good good material. Nice stuff. It's only just a red plain T-shirt. It is actually, mm. but it's uh, it's decent. And obviously we will wait and see what the the new shirt is for next year. But as you say, Christmas is coming and. Uh, you know that money comes in helpful, doesn't it? You know, season tickets are on sale now as well, and um, you know I'd look at the prices the other day. I think they were the same as they were last season, so you can't sneeze at the the price of season tickets. I think they're uh, they're very very reasonable, and uh, you know it's a, it's a decent stadium that we're playing as well. So uh, so yeah, get yourself a season ticket and, and get down there and watch the club. Yeah, they've also announced that. Uh... Salford are running a, a women's team uh, for this season. Uh, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for the people of Salford to have a, a team that they can uh, look forward to watching and hopefully get involved in. Yeah, certainly. I think it's great news that, and uh, it's about time as well. So uh, to to get the the ladies involved who want to play. So I believe they've been having trials, haven't they, recently yep. and things like that. They've got coach there who's getting behind it now as well. So uh, so yeah, that's exciting stuff. That really is, Rob. I mean, we've probably got a bit to go to catch up to some of the the size. I mean, St. Helens uh, ladies team have sort of swept the board, haven't they? The last few years, leads are pretty good as well. So we've probably got a bit to do to to catch them up and get to their level. But we've got to start somewhere, and uh, no, I'm excited to see uh, to see how that goes yeah the coach is Mark Simon um, Lancashire head coach ex-Widness ex-Warrington uh, so he's been around the game he knows what class when he sees it yeah yeah he seems a real experienced guy as well and uh, I've not spoke to him yet but uh, it'd be great if we could uh, have him on one of our shows this, yeah. this year and yeah. get down and do some reporting on some of the ladies games I'd love to do that so uh, I know you would as well so uh, so yeah the more the more I believe we can get to and talk about the better yeah, a uh, minute and a half to go, uh, Paul. Let's talk about Ed Chamberlain. He's left to go to Lee. Uh, disappointing, really, because I thought he could have done a job for us. Yeah, well, he fell out of favour last season. He was on loan at London, wasn't he, last year? And didn't really get an opportunity. I think it was last year, wasn't it? He was on, on loan and didn't really... Uh, you lose track of time, don't you, with COVID yeah. and all that, what year you're on. But yeah, I think he's a good player. He's always impressed me. He's had a few injuries. I think he had a, he was troubled by injuries at Salford, but you know, lightning quick when he is fit, and uh, you know, I think he'll he'll do a good job. You know, Lee uh, uh, signing some you know some some decent players. Aren't they going to have a good squad for next year? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Really, obviously, with everything going on, uh, you know, with the COVID and and the potential league structures, with a minute to go, Paul. I think it's so important. Obviously, as long as we're safe, that's all that matters. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. As I said before, our recruitment seems pretty good for next season. Obviously, there's going to be some more names I would have thought coming in, hopefully, before uh, before it all kicks off. But we've got a decent, the makers of a decent side there. And if we can just mould it together now, get a coach who can get them playing, it could be a really, really exciting season 2022. Mm. And that's what it's all about, I suppose, with with the uh, with everything. It's just about enjoyment and excitement and rugby league. That's what it does. It brings everyone together uh, and everyone enjoys the moment because that's what it is. That's what sport is. And that's why we love talking about it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio every week on a Tuesday at 7pm. So big thanks for tuning into this week's uh, Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkinson and uh, we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat where we talk your football, rugby and lots, lots more. See you next week.